This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer leak for another beverage news for the week of September 5th, 2020. Stone has a new CEO. That's quite a turnaround. Surly beer hall to close due to COVID-19, not because of unions at all. More MGP whiskey, and this time is a rye. And Minnesota strikes down 51% wine law because they can't grow grapes. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, a show where we learn, we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's jump right into our main story. Kicking us off. Stone has a new is announcing a new CEO. Stone again with the leading story because hey, that look, company it, can't not make headlines. <laughs> look, I'm I'm okay. We're okay with these headlines and some of their other headlines. Yes. Uh, yes, yes. But they've announced uh, Maria Stipp as CEO. Why is that name familiar? Uh, well, uh, pulling this from Cezanne PR Newswire. Uh, anyway. from not we Brewbound. Yeah, we can't pull it from Brewbound <laughs> because it's a pay site now. Yeah. And we're yeah. cheap. We are cheap. Uh, Today's Stone Brewing, the ninth largest craft brewery uh, in the U.S., announces the, uh, the hire of Maria Stipp. Uh, to the position of Stone Brewing CEO, she will begin uh, join Stone beginning September fourth, twenty twenty. So, what two weeks from now? Yeah, yep. that's about right. Uh, Maria Four. has all the qualities we're looking in for uh, looking for in a CEO. Explained Steve Wa- uh, Wagner, uh, Stone Brewing co-founder and interim CEO. She brings experience from a well-respected brewery. Uh, yeah, but what is that brewery? It's on the tip of my tongue. Uh, I haven't read down further in the article in a no, minute to like... remind me. Uh, she uh, and experience from outside the industry too. She lives uh, uh, up to our values of a, as long admired our revolutionary spirit. Most importantly, she is someone our co-founder Greg Cook and I are honored and excited to work with. And that latter is a must because we're sticking around, he says. Uh, Stipe has spent the past five years as CEO of Laguanitas. Ah. That was it. I uh, was previously president of uh, Eco a- uh, ATM, ATM uh, a company launched in Stone's hometown of San Diego. Before Eco ATM, Stip was the executive vice president at Activision, where oh. she was responsible for Call of Duty and Guitar Hero. Oh my gosh. Uh, and further in the past, Miller Brewing Company and Kellogg's. She has the most interesting resume. <laughs> She's so the she most went, interesting woman in the world. She went from it's a sin to masturbate, so eat cereal. <laughs> that's why Kellogg's is. Famous. Yeah, that's what that's 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 how they got started. Kellogg. That, wow. Yeah, he was a religious nut. That, also, why circumcisions are a thing. Yes, he was uh, very, in the modern day, with your Gentile. Eat cornflakes and cut off the end of your penis. Like that was what he was about. And don't. This is what people come to have a drink news for. Weird yeah. factoids. Random. If, it's our if, version of Adam ruins everything. That's, that's actually where I learned from... about the Kellogg thing, because <laughs> he brought it up, and it was just basically a "I crap you not." <laughs> your your cornflakes are associated with circumcision, because mm-hmm. he was start, basically started a cult. 
it was like, well, everyone starts the day with cornflakes and you cut the tip of your kid's penises off. That's just how this goes. <laughs> but yeah, it goes from from Kellogg's and Miller to Activision. I don't know if you're necessarily responsible for Call of Duty. I don't know how long she was at Activision, but I feel like Call of Duty has been around for ever. Yeah. A good minute now. If if it was early aughts, then she could have a claim in that. But I don't. Men have been like one of the subsets of Call of Duty because you know, for yeah. a while, Call of Duty was you know, World War Two. Like yeah. how many times could you see you know land in Normandy? <laughs> Look, a lot of us got really excited when they said we're going to do a World War One game. We're like, oh, give us that trench warfare, and it was not what we wanted. No, because trench warfare is not fun to play. <laughs> anyway, Stip will oversee Stone's East and West Coast uh, Brewing production facilities, Two Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens locations, Seven Stone Brewing Tap Room locations, and distribution to all fifty states and more than forty countries. As CEO of Stone, she will lead Stone uh, Distribution Company, which distributes more than 40 brands of craft and specialty beverages throughout eight countries of northern and southern California, eight counties of northern and southern California. She will also hold a seat on the Stone Board of Directors. Hmm. Uh, Cook says uh, that they couldn't be happier to welcome Maria to Team Stone. Uh, She has an experience with uh, companies both similar and quite different to our own, will no doubt benefit from her strong leadership. In addition, she is clearly passionate about the beers, the ideals, and philosophies that Stone represents. Uh, Maybe she's really on board for a lot of lawsuits. I'm excited. That would be the thing to look for, is if these other companies were embroiled in a whole bunch of lawsuits at during like her tenure there like if she saw them through legal issues and that could be why they brought her on maybe uh but she said she's excited uh he said he says uh, i'm excited knowing that we're bringing a leader who's clearly uh already clearly one of our own we welcome her with great enthusiasm and promise so you know i guess we'll see uh can't can't blame her for anything yet she hasn't started yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, still, that's a, a you know female CEO of a, of a brewing company. That's it's not the first time, obviously, but yeah, maybe she'll that's... be willing and uh, able to clamp down on Greg and keep him from opening his big mouth <laughs> <laughs> when he writes a giant blog post and puts it on the company's main page and is like, "Hey, you probably shouldn't even read this, but here it goes anyway." <laughs> yeah and then the whole company's just like slapping their forehead they could have had a v8 and greg could have shut the hell up <laughs> yeah could have could have been contenders yeah maybe maybe some other businesses are, are are doing well i mean stone's finding a new ceo so let's let, let, what, let's what about start... surly beer hall oh the, they, they've been no way roiled up the entire craft beer community in the last week and completely tanked what'll be any of their sales forever. Uh, Surly Brewing, they will close their beer hall on November 2nd. That's not really the controversial part of this. Uh, The decision comes days after its hospitality employees approached management with the intent to unionize. (laughs) Mm, Look at that timing. An announcement today, Surly acknowledged the not ideal timing saying in part since the start of the pandemic beer hall revenues are down 82 percent compared with the same period last year 
usually at this time of year, even during the Minnesota State Fair, when most businesses see a dip in attendance, the Surly Beer Hall would consistently have hours-long waits to get a seat inside the perpetually crowded room. The industry-leading brewery was the first to push uh, legislation for Minnesota to allow tap rooms for customers to consume their product on site. The piece of legislation was commonly known as the Surly Bill, which was signed into law in 2011, leading to a wave of tap rooms opening all over the metro, metro area and beyond. The brewery then took its time uh, constructing the massive uh, brewery in an industrial part of Minneapolis with an expansive green space, beer hall stacked with long tables for communal seating. We, we all know what's but involved. What a beer hall. I, I mean, like, there's a picture is, yeah. here, th though. That, I mean, looks it looks... Like Looks good. Let's get better, like one of the better beer halls I've seen. Yeah. So, yeah. Scroll at Radley Brothers. Right Service Sorry. hospitality employees attempt to unionize comes on the heels of Tattersall's employees' recent success success in organizing, making uh, that the first tap room to have hospitality workers represented by a union. So, yeah, like it was within days. That's, mm, I don't, I mean, devil's advocate i sales are most certainly down yes, yes. like they are you know this is not a good time to be trying to to you know run a beer hall but <laughs> you know you had to think like them say like like uh so we 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 think we're gonna uh, start up a union that's Shut cool <laughs> um <laughs> I mean, even if they, they didn't plan it that way, like they're like, yeah, have fun with that. And then shut everything down. You have to imagine them just looking going, yeah, yeah, about that. Uh, you may want to, you can just hang on to that paper. It's fine. It's it's not really going to make any difference. Mm. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, but still like, they, yeah, it's a rough year, but I mean, could the margins on it be so, so bad that they're just like, well, we're just going to close it down. They could be. Uh, I mean, I don't. It, for unless them, they were bad to begin with, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to. The, the cost of operating something like that versus, you know, like the downed revenues right now, down 82%. That's like they can't now, even are, be turning a profit off of yeah. it. Yeah. And I mean, so they, they can't be right now, but it's also like, are they. Are they just shut? Uh, I guess they're shutting it down permanently, though. It's indefinitely. So it, they are not the first big brewery to do this. Three Floyds did it earlier this year. They made the announcement that uh, they never reopened. So back in March, when they had to shut their tap room for the lockdowns, it never reopened. And then they announced back in June, I think it was, that the their restaurant and tap room would be closed indefinitely. Mm, yeah. They they will not announce when it's reopening they're just like well it's not gonna be this year that's for sure right. yeah things are just yeah obviously just too up in the air yeah they do say in their post that they had put this into plan weeks ago but because they have they have a long post here about what their their reasoning for it was yeah uh it's just not good timing like seriously the the only thing that could have been worse timing is if the founders thing had happened during Black History Month. Like that's the only thing that could have been worse timing. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So So that's unfortunate. It is unfortunate. What 
I need something to cleanse my palate of this. This this is this is sad and depressing. You need to you need to wash that surly out after they just got distro into our market. <laughs> I've just started seeing surly stuff showing up at places around town at some of the bottle shops. Well, you're instead, like, oh, how about some rye? Always, <laughs> always down. Well, for nearly two hundred years. Lawrenceburg's master distillers have been per perfecting the original handcrafted rye blends in one of America's last Prohibition-era distilleries, what's being referred to as MGP, and more particularly its Rossville Union expression, said to uh, said as well to be a return to the golden age of rye with an authentic taste perfected in Whiskey City. So we might throw a lot of crap at MGP. But they're really close to us. If you as soon as you drive over into Lawrenceburg, <laughs> the whole town smells like sour mash. It is mm. fantastic. Say, oh no! It's right across. <laughs> like so, the main distillery is within a hundred yards of like the high school, like Lawrenceburg High School. So the whole school, like you're driving by and you're like, all I smell is whiskey. <laughs> is it? Uh, is it? <laughs> So like in Parks and Rec, where like Eagleton has the cupcake factory, so their entire town smells of vanilla. Yeah, uh, not the worst thing. Yeah, that entire town smells of gambling and whiskey because there's a giant <laughs> casino there as well. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> that's a very specific smell. Um, this brand is now getting a line extension via the release of a new single barrel variant. So the new Rossville Union single barrel straight rye whiskey according to those behind it, is a bottled and bond whoa, specialty release offered in two mash bills. MGP first made folks aware of this single barrel offering at the beginning of the year, announcing at the time this would be a program in which participating accounts will be invited to meet with the distillery team in Lawrenceburg to set their preferred mash bills. Then the um, world ended. Yeah. <laughs> at, uh, which is also, there's so many good lines that just describe 2020. Uh, so said accounts did in fact do that, uh, meeting with the distillery team in early 2020 to taste, select, and order their preferred mash bills. From there, bottling occurred, being shipped in personalized packaging to each participating retailer, together with the original barrel. Select retailers have also opted to label their bottles as a 2020 single barrel selection to showcase the collectible aspect of this new offering. Uh, that's, that's some branding right there. Yeah, like that, that, they know what's up. So the VP of Brands uh, uh -huh. says, "quote We're <laughs> proud to make some of the finest rye whiskey in the country at our Lawrenceburg distillery. Demand for our 2020 Rossville Union single barrel selection has exceeded expectations in our inaugural year." I, I'll, I'm sure. Uh, I'll stick to good old Kentucky rye. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, but also, I kind of want it. <laughs> I'm, I say I'm not going to yuck them completely. It. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way to try and track these down. No, but if one just happened to find its way in front of me, well, then I mean, it's it'd only be, proper. It'd be rude it'd be, it'd be to rude say not no. To, yeah. You know, there was uh, another thing I saw like just a little before we got started, and we kind of already had stuff picked up. But uh, there's some other big uh, whiskey news uh, going a little off script here. Uh, the uh, master distiller at because someone stepped down recently and it wasn't at MGP, 
So it's not really related, but it's whiskey related. Uh, Jack Daniels, Master Distiller. That's who it oh. was. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and hasn't hasn't uh, it been someone typically in the family? Um, I don't think so. I think someone in the family is usually associated, but the Master Distiller of this is Jeff Arnett. He's stepping down after uh, after 12 years, which honestly means he's not seen a whole, I mean, he's seen a lot of big product, you know, big volume of product go through, but 12 no. years, like how much, how long is that in actual distilling time? Uh, I don't know how long. So Jack Daniels only ages for what, like three or four years. Yeah. So he's seen quite a few expressions. He's, yeah, he's, he's some, but still, like you don't get a whole lot of time. It's not like other things where you can get like, you know, a master brewer is going to see a lot of different, yeah, different types. Master distiller, you're like, well, th- let's hope this works. Well, it's going to be better than what's her name, who's going to be the first female master distiller. Oh, and then left. Yeah, before it even opened. Yeah. Oh yeah. She yeah. left. Uh, Castle and Key. Yeah, Kathleen Key. Uh, I don't remember her name, but yeah. Because she came from Woodford Reserve and was on for Kathleen Key and left before she even had a single expression come out. So their opening expression will be her work. No one knows but, what it tastes like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, you know, you don't hear about the master distillers of uh, MGP, though. So no, no, not not too often. I, I assume I don't know if they even would have just a single master distiller. They, I feel like they have a Probably not. They don't have like a handcrafted feel. They feel they have like a, like a they feel like the, 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 like the, the fancy Coke machine. (laughs) Yeah. Freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. Freestyle. I go nuts in there. I'm like, okay, give me some grape Sprite and some Fanta (laughs) and some. I do not. I go in there and I order a Sprite the way God intended it to be. I'm an eight-year-old when you put me in front of that thing. I'm like, you, shh, 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 I'm just like, you know, you're getting like the kid's graveyard where it's yeah. like, yeah, oh, no. Yeah. I went to the movies and I got a graveyard. That's what's just what's it tastes like? Awful. <laughs> just awful. It's like, that's not the point. That's no, not, it, a graveyard tasted grape. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Despite there being no grape anywhere. Nothing near. grape flavored. It tasted grape. That's what happens when you mix Dr. Pepper and Mountain Dew. <laughs> Evil sciences. <laughs> well there was so it was like a heavy handed push of the button for the Mountain Dew because like well we gotta give the kids their caffeine <laughs> uh, well speaking of things that should, should get struck down well a federal judge struck down a Minnesota law that forced wineries to make wine using 51% of grapes grown within the state critics <laughs> say the rule is a protectionist uh, restriction placed to shield the state's grape producers from competition. There's there's uh, there's grape producers, right, That's, in Minnesota. Apparently, that had to be everyone's first reaction. Like, I'm sorry, all I'm thinking of is like, how do you grow grapes there? Aren't you too busy playing hockey and having Mighty Ducks <laughs> things shot there? The ruling uh, could have implications across the nation, where the law is mirrored, including in New York, Pennsylvania, and Illinois. This is a huge win for the future of the wine industry and small wineries in Minnesota. Nan Bailey, owner of Alexis Alexis uh, Bailey Vineyard, said in a statement, we are finally free to make the wines we want to make, not the wine dictate the state legislature. 
State law ordered uh, vintners to make wine using at least 51% of grapes grown in the state. Some vintners say the 51% rule handicaps competition because consumers are accustomed to drinking wines that are made from grapes that don't grow well in Minnesota's <laughs> cold climate. I'm just, you know, like you want some natural ice? It's it's hanging off our grapes. <laughs> that's so that's immediately with that statement, that's when I start to think I'm like, uh, yeah, let's think about all these other areas. So we, we just did the whole big uh, spiel on the Marlboro wine region. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure any of the grapes that are growing in New Zealand are not going to grow in Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, New Zealand's got a lot of climates from what I understand. You know, you, big you, mountains covered in snow. Maybe they grow grapes there. In the Misty Mountains? In the Misty Mountains. I was going to say, <laughs> you know, in the mines of Moria, just outside, they... Man, I... Just can't keep up with the, those Gundabad uh, wineries. They they just they're cranking out some uh, <laughs> some good stuff. So Minnesota wineries uh, or that uh, blah, 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 blah. Minnesota Grape Grower Association didn't respond to a request for comment. Uh, Northern grapes Northern grapes can grow in Minnesota, but are very acidic. So most wineries blend Minnesota grapes uh, with out of state grapes to create a more palatable wine. Uh, Nan Bailey, who we referenced earlier, said 51% regulation resulted in poor quality grapes that led to subpar wines and hurt Minnesota's wine reputation. I mean, in what fairness, wine reputation? there it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, we, like, that's the thing. If they could use out-of-state grapes, then perhaps they could blend it into something that would taste better. So we say that in the same gist that there are a crap ton of Ohio and Kentucky wineries, and you go, true, wait, true. that's a thing? I Look, I thought that the first time I bought a, something from a Kentucky winery. Yeah. I also afterwards went, well, I still don't like wine, but at least I bought local. <laughs> Fair. It still kills me off topic slightly. Uh, from our, like, less than a mile from our main landfill, there's a big winery and i'm like yeah i'm never getting anything from that place that's for sure i mean it's well fertilized they're in the watershed of a landfill (laughs) anyway my lawsuit was the them uh my lawsuit was very much intended to spark competition and force local wineries to make better wines braley said uh, the same percentage rule doesn't apply to minnesota's biggest craft beer breweries like summit and surly uh, which use hops grown in the Pacific Northwest to flavor beers. The U.S. Constitution was crafted the to guarantee apply, free... the, the rules don't apply to Surly. Mm. Clearly. The U.S. Constitution was crafted to guarantee free trade among the states. Uh, Institute for Justice Senior Attorney Anthony Sanders said, in a statement, Minnesota violated the founding ideal by restricting the grapes that wineries can purchase from other states. This is a vindication for our clients' rights and also of that founding idea of free trade. I feel like free trade was not necessarily the reason that the the, yeah. the country was founded. I'm not the here right to say to, that. The right to continue piracy, that, that, that's true. But <laughs> Look, because it was because they made it too cheap to get sugar and, and tea into into the country. Okay, this is off topic. We need to get to talk about it before the show started. I sent you a link to a great series, uh, uh, biographics. Oh, oh, but yeah. I sent you a link to uh, the the Andre the Giant Andre one. The Giant one, which is fantastic. You, I, if you haven't watched it, you need to watch it. I haven't yet. I, I saw it and I was like, I'm gonna get to this. 
He does an Admiral Nelson one, which has oh. the biggest smart ass move I've ever heard of in my life, where he talks about in one of uh, Nelson's fun. It wasn't at, oh, oh, it remember. wasn't during his final, like, it wasn't the Trafalgar battle. It was at a different one because they won, they ended up winning. He well, was, they won Trafalgar too. Well, he died. Look, he was calling out plays and that, you know, as he's yeah. bleeding out. Yeah. But anyway, there's a, another battle where um, they went on to victory and uh, whoever was leading the whole battle was like, nope, we've lost. And they started to pack out and they gave the retreat order. He pulls out his telescope, extends it and put it up to his bad eye that he's completely blind in. <laughs> looks out there and comments to his first mate. Honestly, I can't see the damn signal. <laughs> <laughs> and keeps fighting and going on and goes until they win. I was just like, no, that's fantastic. And that's completely off from all this. But um, <laughs> so grapes, they should be able to use out of state grapes. That's just. <laughs> So I'm, uh, given their climate, yeah, it's just it's hamstringing them in the fight to produce good wine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. It, it. Is it really Minnesota wine then? Yeah, it's made in there. It's fine. The I mean, vintners are from yeah. there. They're blending it there. They're, I mean, it's it's maturing there. I don't know. The, no one considers you know craft beer from whatever state to not be craft beer from that state if it's not using whole ingredients from that state there are breweries yeah. who are doing that uh there are even some in ohio surprisingly enough because there are there are a number of hop farms in ohio it's just hard to get a hold of enough hop yield yeah. in ohio and you're not getting the varietals that you're used to getting elsewhere right speaking of stuff you're not used to, you're used to getting elsewhere <laughs> buffalo wild wings is partnering with goose island for for a new house beer Wild herd Kolsch. Uh, I mean, I do have to say, Kolsch makes sense for wings to me. It does. Yeah. It does. Uh, I, I was almost waiting for this to be some kind of weird Bourbon County, like a, <laughs> a hot wing Bourbon County. I was like, all right, screw it. I'm in. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. If you make a sauce out of it or whatever, uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. Look, look, Buffalo Wild Wings doesn't make sauce anymore. They make beer. That's what I found out in the last few weeks. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings a uh, new beer to its impressive tap roster, Wild Herd Kolsch, uh, produ produced in collaboration with Goose Island, uh, AB and Bev. Uh, Kolsch will serve uh, the Kolsch will serve at the chain's new house beer as the new chain's new house beer. A Kolsch is a perfect hybrid beer, giving easy drinkability of a lager with a flavor profile of a craft ale. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings beverage innovator manager innovation manager Jason Murphy. Wait. <laughs> Different Murphy. That name, huh? though. <laughs> uh, told FSR Magazine, uh, we wanted to offer an easy-drinking beer that our guests could enjoy with wings, burgers, during a marathon of games in our sports bar. Uh, according to FSR, the light, refreshing German-style uh, brew pairs well with items across the sports bar's menu. Yeah, because it's a Kolsch. It's going to go well with Anything. fatty, acidic food. Yeah. Uh, including signature uh, wing sauce line beer, uh, and a line of beer battered chicken, which is now made using wild herd Kolsch. That's pretty interesting, though. At least they're using the beer and the cooking. You know, yeah. use every part of the buffalo. Right. Uh, not only do we have a beer that drinks well for our guests, but also as a great ingredient in our food. Uh, the brew was released nationwide on August 11th, so you should be able to get it now. Uh, if you plan on visiting a location to try that for yourself, be sure to sample one of their, and this thing is just mentioning their margaritas, which 
you shouldn't drink margaritas. They're bad. <laughs> drink a Palamo instead. Hmm. Indeed. Get some get some grapefruit juice in your life. Uh, you know, but maybe you're, you know, I don't know. Buffalo Wild Wings, like, I get it. They get it. They have a lot of beer there, but it's like, here, have our own signature beer with your wings. I'm like, yeah, it's not really why I'm here, man. I just no. I wanted some, I wanted some quick wings and you were, you were what's nearby. Yeah, you exist. It turns out. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know which is, well, this at least makes more sense than the, than the bourbon story we had, uh, in recent weeks. Hmm. So yeah. I'm like, well, okay, yes, you sh a house beer. Got it. That makes sense. Sure. You're, yeah. you're a, a beer and wing place. Good job. <laughs> yeah, and if you're going to if they're going to team up with anyone, it's going to be someone who's, you know, bent the knee to AB InBev, so someone who has distribution anyway. So Yeah. Actually, in fairness, I feel like Go Goose Island probably would make a solid Kolsch. Provided Maybe. provided they don't make it in their main facilities and it tastes like say, metal. It tastes like metal. <laughs> That's the first thought I had. Yeah, maybe yeah, we could, just got a bad good. oxidized case of that. I, I'm, I'm willing to try again. I want that to be the case. I do, because <laughs> uh, we, we all got from like the same case. I'm pretty sure, right? I think so. So I'm pretty sure it's been a minute, so I don't, I don't remember exactly, but yeah. But yeah, uh, you know, you know who might also need a drink though? Dogs. Some puppers. I mean. Because everybody needs a drink in 2020. Um, with bar reopenings around the country still largely restricted, most of us are doing happy hours at home on Zoom or without friends. Uh, now, thanks to Bush Dog Brew, you and your four-legged bestie can pop open a cold one together. On Wednesday, Bush announced its <coughs> new brew for pups via can't, Twitter. You can't quit picturing two former presidents. Right? It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and no, there's no alcohol in the quote beer. Alcohol and hops are both toxic to dogs. Didn't know that. Well, the alcohol, the woman assumed, but hops didn't know that. I mean, um, a lot of things are toxic to dogs. People have got to stop giving them chocolate. Yeah. Mm. But uh, it's filled with lots of other dog friendly nutrients water, celery, corn, mint, turmeric, basil, ginger, and bone in pork butt. Look, I kind of want to drink it. <laughs> You had me at, at pork bone butt. in pork butt. <laughs> right. Uh, according to Bush, dog brew is made with vegetables, herbs, spices, water, uh, and pork broth to provide your best buddy with a nutritious and tasty snack that helps promote a healthy digestive system. Will it also help me promote a healthy digestive system? Because I also kind of want some pork broth. I mean, it also sounds like <laughs> liquid, like bachelor stew like the bachelor from... chow from, from yeah, Futurama. Yeah, yeah. look what... do you know how much i want bachelor chow <laughs> just to be able to like pour something into a bowl add water and just go all right i have it all of my nutrients it makes its own gravy oh, yeah. <laughs> this is what yeah this is what this is i always um, thought i was like i have to be the only person watching futurama that starts wanting it when fry <laughs> pours the water over the dog bowl of bachelor chow and it like foams up with like foamy gravy. And I'm like, I actually want to know what that tastes like. Chris, you should know that I also would have wanted. Uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Let's get that. I mean, really? I always pictured it to be like uh, some of the like chunky sirloin 
soup only oh, yeah, yeah, with yeah. less the broth. Campbell's chunky. Yeah. yeah, just like a big heaping bowl of like sirloin cubes. I didn't need oh, that soup. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so anyway. <laughs> um so uh to get this was it is it called dog brew or something? Yeah, dog brew. Um it's nine dollars ninety nine cents for a four pack and it's only sold online because twenty twenty. Um, at the time of publishing, Dog Brew appears to be temporarily sold out. Good lord! Really, <laughs> but a message. You know how many people want to want to give their yeah, like want to crack open a cold one with their dog? There's a lot of lonely people with dogs. No, that's fair. Yeah, after I said it, I was if, like, well, yeah. If it was me, I would buy a six pack of this and then just get you know get something for me. Like, all right, doggy, let's drink. Yeah, that's just fair. sit back, watch TV while while you drink. The dog laps up from a bowl. I'm not even I, lonely. The dog just needs a drink. I'm just like that. Just that just sounds like a good a good evening, I've good eaten, bonding time. I've eaten begging strips. I mean, <laughs> come on. I look, Chris. Would you would you drink this if we bought some of this? Yeah, I would. <laughs> there we go. There were, there's a, a a special episode right there. I'd drink the hell out of that. <laughs> like I, I've, I've eaten dog food. It's all right to lick it. Don't don't bite it. Like the, like, like the your teeth are not made for it. The bacon strips, like I say, I licked it and I'm like, that tastes like bacon. I took a big bite and as soon as I chewed it, I was like, that does not taste like bacon anymore. <laughs> and spit it out and was like, oh. It, All it, right. Don't chew. It, it stops tasting good. Well, we would like to remind everyone <laughs> this is our news only show somehow. This is Sometimes. our dog food. This is our dog food only show. Yeah. Uh, but we also do a weekly long form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink show or have a drink store.com. And uh, we will see you in another couple of weeks for the next live episode. Once again, I'm Brittany Day Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>